Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes you want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. This is the Blind Point Play Podcast, the Hard Duke Basketball Fan Podcast, special mailbag edition. We tried this a couple years ago, AC. We did get a bunch of questions, but now we're trying to bring it back. Yep, yep. Uh, we got some, we got some doozies, and we're going to jump right into it. Uh, we got the full cast of characters here. Jack is back as usual. My main man Pablo. Yeah, we got D two D's here. We, we got we got we got D in the house. Um, and we'll, <laughs> we'll start with you, D. I know that this is probably your favorite subject, and this is coming courtesy of our main man, Mister C Nagy four who's asking a very important question for uh, for all the Duke faithful. Cooper Flag, Cameron Boozer, who's the better fit for Duke? And right now, who do you believe is the better high school player? Well, don't we need to throw in Cade Boozer at this point? Yeah, maybe. I mean, the way he played? <laughs> he let's, let's add a third rung to this question. Like, let's not be quick to throw him out. I mean... All I can do is read the question. I, I understand. I'm, I understand. I'm just throwing my little recklessness into it. But um, I think at the end of the day, Flag. I think Flag has looked like a Duke guy from Jump Street. Yeah, Cam's got the boozer last name. But, um, TK, I don't know if you've heard any of this on the local radio. It's starting to seem more and more like they're not necessarily sold on Duke. Um, I don't think either one of them are. They might want to pave their own path. And I you can't hate him for that. Um, and I, it sounds like Boozer is supporting that. So I'm going to have to go flag, man. I, th- I think he is your typical stretch for Duke guy. In yeah, a nutshell. I think, yeah, I think that's fair, Pablo. I mean, you're pretty close to the story, obviously, all the things that you're putting out there for uh, for Bull Durham. Bull Durham. Um, I know you've written extensively about this. Where do you, where do you land on this? Who's the better high school player and, and who's a better fit for Duke? Uh, I don't think they're, I don't think that's really a fair question as far as like who's the better fit, because I think they do a lot of similar things. Um, who's the better high school player? I mean, it, it just depends. It just depends on what you like at this point, because they both, like I said, they both do similar things. Uh, Cooper flags numbers are a little more gaudier you know, in the AAU season, but then Cameron Boozer's numbers are better during the high school season, you know what I mean? Because they have different responsibilities. So, I mean, I would take, you know, I'm not separating them. You know, for me, I'm, I just want to, I'll take them both at Duke and I'll take them right now. <clears throat> Jack, where do you land here? Obviously, a lot of the conversation has been uh, over the last couple months that Cooper Flag will reclass, so it might not be a scenario where, you know, we've heard, that they may not want to play with each other. They, they don't have the best relationship. Speaking of flag and, and Cam Boozer, um, you know, where do you see, it might not be a question who's a better fit for Duke because they might be in different classes, right? I mean, yeah, that's certainly a possibility. Also, I mean, first and foremost, I want to wish a happy birthday today to uh, Cam and Caden Boozer. Today they're 16. Smart. Um, Carlos got them both Range Rovers, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Can't hide that's, money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, tell me, tell me you were an NBA player without telling me you were an NBA player. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think, I mean, there was a time when people were saying Cooper Flagg was the consensus best player in high school basketball, regardless of class. I don't think that's the case anymore. I really, I don't think you can really separate them because like Pablo said, they play their roles differently in AAU and high school and just kind of generally they they're both super versatile guys and Caden too, like all three of them. Super versatile players. I think Duke would be incredibly, incredibly lucky to have any of them on their team just because of how good they are. I think I mean, yeah, Flag is that like traditional Duke guy. Again, he's he's like a forward who compared himself to Grayson Allen, which I've talked about a few times that bodes well, but I really I don't think that it's an issue. I don't care who's in what class. At the end of the day, I'd love to have the boozers. I'd love to have Flag. I hope we have both the Boozer twins and Flag. I don't think it matters which one, which we get. I think they're both super, super good, super well-rounded. Yeah, AC, uh, I know that uh, originally the conversation with the Boozers especially has been, you know, Caden especially, right, has not been a guy that has been real fun to do, whereas Cameron's been a little bit uh, warmer to the uh, opportunity they have both said that they don't necessarily need to go to the same program. Right. I find it hard to believe that that will happen, especially with uh, Caden's emergence, which is kind of why I've said that if I was John Shire right now, I would be making a really strong individual push for Caden to show them that he's loved and that he's you know a cherished commodity. It's not just about getting him so that we also get Cameron. Um, you and I get to agree, you know, like I said earlier about uh, Cooper Flatt reclassing to 2040. You still think that is uh, the likely scenario. And then we'll, we'll, we'll come back at the end after that. Um, but also, you know, in your opinion, because I don't see a whole lot of difference in high school. It's like Pablo said, it's whichever, it's honestly like whatever day you catch them on, right. one might be better than the next. So, you know, kind of where do you fall on the whole thing? Yeah, no, seriously, like, Flag probably is number one based on the numbers he put up at Peach Jam. So you could you could make a case for him to be number one right now. But when they get into the high school season, Montverde, Kevin Boyle's known for giving the seniors, you know, the bigger roles on his team so that they can be showcased going into college or whatever. So, you know, Flag might put up, a, you know, he last year put up like eight points a game at Montverde. He's much better than that, obviously, but he wasn't, he that wasn't his role, but he played his role to a T. And, you know, this year, I think I, I assume his numbers will go up closer to the 15 point per game, 20 point per game, close to Mark or whatever. But there's still some some seniors above him at Montverde who are going to be, you know, going to be showcased or whatever. So we'll see, man. We'll see. And, and then that also leads to does he reclass? Because then if he reclasses now, he's one of those upperclassmen. Now he can just kind of play his role how he needs to at Montverde. He gets to the NBA faster if he reclasses. He's one of the few kids in that class in the in the upper echelon of the class anyway that is old enough to be able to reclass. So it it all makes sense. The reclass makes sense. Indiana has asked him the reclass that that's been put out in public in in their recruitment. So you know the other coaches are also bringing it up. I'm sure, John's saying, "Do you want to? If you want to, you can. If you don't want to, you don't need to." John's not looking at any power forwards right now in the twenty four class, and we know we're losing flip this year. So I mean, take that for what it's worth. So there's a lot, there's a lot of a lot of things uh, a lot of things to look at 
and and just kind of decipher with this whole recruiting or whatever. Uh, you know, obviously we we've for twenty four we've offered Badunga, we've offered uh, Pat from uh, Pat in from uh, Paul to six. So yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, man. But I, I like both players. I like the way that I, I love the way they progressed. They're far and away the best players in their class. Um, it's it's them. It, it's them in 25 at the top. Yeah, so, no I mean, yeah. And then AJ Dibansta is the class below him. I mean, it's those three when it comes to the best in, in all of high school at the moment. So, yeah, man, I, I just, I, I just, I like, I like all of that. And then this is going to be a recruitment for Rachel Baker. This is, this is where she is going to shine because the boozers are going to be won or lost on the brand. Yes, they don't necessarily have to go to Duke or whatever, but if they want to make the NIL money, if they want to have the branding that goes along with it, the the high possibility of draft picks because you went to Duke as opposed to going to, you know, wherever else, then it, it it's a no brainer in my opinion, but you know, they might not want to do it. So we'll see what they do. Well, you know, they could also go to Miami and, you know, be the, uh, the male version of the uh, Cavender twins. On a more serious note, um, the, the, the recruitment of Caden is the one that fascinates me. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you see Duke kind of handling that, or do you still kind of look at it as they're going to treat this as a, a package deal type of deal? So, I mean, they're going to do what they've been doing. I mean, it's not not so much. I mean, obviously they're twins, so it's going to be like a package deal. But the thing is, too, is that, um, you know, I know somebody really close to the family, and, uh, you know, they're not big on, like, just recruiting at all. They just want to play basketball right now. So that's why they're pretty, pretty silent. You know, they don't talk much about recruiting unless asked a question or whatever. So I think that, you know, Duke is in a great place with them. Uh, I think it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, you know, in that recruitment, you know, it's a lot of things that's going to be said. And that always happens, you know, when kids don't chime in and correct things. So people are going to throw a lot of narratives out there, just like the, the flag and the Cameron thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just that peace jam, I asked somebody that's tight with the family about that. I said, is that, that like an issue there or, or whatever? Not an issue. It was like news to Cameron, you know, when it was told to him. So that that is just, that's just one of those things. I think that recruitment wise, you know, like y'all said, I mean, obviously John is going to do his thing individually with each player, but they're brothers, they're twin brothers, same class. I mean, and it's no talk about reclass with Cameron. So he's going to have to recruit them together. So I think we'll be. I think we're in a good spot, though, and I, I ultimately, I we land them for sure. Well, I love the optimism, uh, Dee. I'll give you the final word because you brought up Caden the first time. What do you want to say about uh, him and and where he would fit at Duke in twenty five? Well, I I like what you said, TK. Like I think Duke needs to show some love to him. Like let's make him a priority. But I just wanted to touch on what Jack said earlier about um, Flag's comment of who he compared himself to. That's a killer instinct type of dude, man. Like when you say I'm Grayson Allen, I'm Grayson Allen, but seven foot tall. Like that's that's some killer instinct shit. Excuse my language, but like that's that's what Duke is built on. Slapping the floor, like hard nose, like we're, we're gonna grind it out. Like that's that's what I've been saying for years. Flag is Duke. Duke is flag. And. It, you know, people say he's got it, but I don't know what it is. That that go to war mentality on the court is what it is for Cooper Flag. Yeah, D, I completely agree. I mean, Grayson was one of those guys where I mean, he was intense. He 
I mean, he worked his ass off, did everything he could. Sometimes a little too much, if we're being honest. Um, but that guy was a competitor, and he he wanted it. It's continued. We've seen it in the NBA. He's just he's a winner. And uh, I see the same thing in Cooper Flag. I uh, I hope hope it doesn't get him suspended in college or anything. But <laughs> yeah, I see I see the instinct. I see I see the uh, I see the drive. I agree completely. Yeah, I mean, AC, just to kind of close this one off, but I think this is a great point about you have to have that kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a guy that you already know, let's just be honest about it, that he's going to be targeted by opposing fan bases and the media for who he is. Um, you got to have that kind of personality, that kind of, you know, kind of sick nature in your head that you're not going to take shit from anybody. Honestly, you know, Flip has that. Yeah. That's how you can get punched in the face multiple times through the state of Virginia and keep trucking. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah, but no, yeah, I mean, flat, and, and also, if you're going to reclass, you also have to have that same mentality because reclassifying is not easy, as we've seen. And we've had mixed results with reclassifications. We've had guys who came in as reclasses and they've thrived. And we've had guys who came in and they the moment was too big for them because mentally they couldn't handle it. So he, he has the dog mentality. So he's going to come in. I think if he does reclass, he's going to come in and, and be able to bring that mentality. So I, Please bring it, please. Perfect. All right, let's get let's get to the uh, next question here. Let's play. This is from uh, I love this uh, this name here, MFK Duke One. I think we should do an MFK Duke version at some point, uh, maybe in the summer season, where we just kind of pair it out three different. Okay, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pablo, I'll, I'll shoot this one over to you. So Duke obviously recently made it official with William Avery, uh, adding him to the coaching staff, which I love. Uh, who do you kind of see, who do you hear, uh, since you're, you're on the ground, of who may fill that last role? What are some names that are both inside and outside the family? Uh, so, I, I mean, I haven't, like, officially heard any names, but I can tell you who I want. <laughs> so I'll just I'll just say it like that. Um, uh, I mean. If you don't like say I, Shane Betty, I'm going to roast you. No. <laughs> Well, you don't want to shame that yet, but I, I, me personally, for myself, I, I really want, I want Wojo. That's what I want. I know he took the job over there for the, uh, the G League affiliate team uh, for Utah or whatever, but you know he can he can quit that job and just come from coach at Duke. It'd be all good. Um, nah, but that's who I want. So uh, I know that you know John. He's 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 going either way. You know, he's saying that he can look outside the family, he can look inside the family. Um, I prefer, you know, I mean, he's the, he's the coach, man. I mean, whatever he, he does is, is what I'm going to rock with, man. I, I trust what he does. I trust in, you know, his vision. So that's what I'm going to rock with. So we'll see. what It's going to be interesting to see what happens, but we'll see. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. Why do you want to get Wojo? That's Because, that's, I mean, that's certainly not a name that jumped into my mind. You know, I think a lot of guys, um, when you lose a meal, you want, and we just brought on William Avery as another guard. Uh, is there a big a big man, whether it's again a former Duke player or outside, that you, you think might be a better fit? I mean, and this is kind of no disrespect to Wojo, who got a lot of flack for not being able to coach the big man while he was on Duke. So, I mean, for me, it's not even you know about the big man thing. To me, it's just like you always need another guy who was a head coach on your bench. You know, what I mean, I think that's what we're lacking. Other than what Shragi, he's the only one who was a head coach, you know what I mean? So if you look at it, we, we have a lot of uh, guys that are 
you know, quote unquote inexperienced as far as head coaching. So uh, I think that that's something that, you know, that Steve will bring to the table and obviously his intensity um, and no nonsense type of guy, straightforward, uh, defensive minded guy. I know we already got, you know, all of our coaches are pretty much defensively minded, but uh, I think he'd be a great addition, man. And just, and that's just how I, I, I look at it. Yeah. AC, where do you fall on that? Let me, yeah, I, I did want to say something about, uh, about the Wojo thing. Cause like Wojo's results as a coach with big man was fine. Like he, he went, he, Wojo went to Pete Newell's big man camp as a participant, like three years in a row as, as a coach to learn, to learn that craft. And being a point guard, you he can offensively he can help the guards figure out how you know how to feed the big man down low, how to you know the angles and everything you need. So he, as a coach, he was fine. The problem was recruiting. It was hard to convince bigs back then to come to Duke because you had Wojo as a coach, and you heard it time and time again in articles and interviews and everything else. But I think the recruit the recruiting aspect I don't think would be a problem anymore. If Wojo, if Wojo was was the choice or was an option, then it would, it would be great because as you said, being being a head coach is one of those things that really, really truly does help. Like I don't, everybody wants Sheldon or whatever, right? Like Sheldon is good. Sheldon, other than like a small stint, I think in the G league, he's never really coached before. So I think that'd be hard. And I obviously Emil hadn't either, but Emil also sat in the seat as a grad assistant and director of basketball ops and that type of things to be able to kind of get to that point. Same with Nolan and all the other guys, they, they paid their way through to figure out the game, you know, quote unquote. So I mean, we got Carowell there anyway. Carowell played the big position as it was. Like, I, I could see him bringing back Rashawn McLeod if they really wanted that. I mean, he, mm. he and Carowell are boys, you know what I mean? Like, and, and he has coaching experience with Marquette under Wojo. So that I, I could see that as a possibility as well. But, I mean, again, reaching outside the family is an option. If we did reach outside the family, one of the first things I thought about was James Michael McAdoo. He's, he's friendly with a lot of the Duke guys. Yeah, UNC guy, whatever. But man, he, talented, big, and he knows the game very well, extremely great, well. So that wouldn't, that, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. I, I would hate it. I would hate it. Can, can, can I trust him? Absolutely not. Um, That's like when Isaiah Thomas came to the Knicks and yeah, sabotaged our team. I, yeah, no, no chance. I, I can't trust it. I I like your uh, outside the, uh, outside the box thinking there, but absolutely not. <laughs> he, he sounds like you kind of agree with him. Where, where do you land? No, no, I just agree with him on like McAdoo is like a basketball genius, man. Like just listening to him and Ryan, like I, I love that podcast. Like it's Why probably not Kelly? my my second. Eh, nope, it's probably my second favorite podcast other than this one. Um, the the Wojo thing, I don't see guys. I just don't. Um, he had his chance to be a head coach. He wanted to go make money at Marquette. That's fine. Cool. You. I, I, you don't typically see people leave Duke for another coaching job and then get rehired. It don't happen. Just like when Coach K left, everybody thought, oh, Johnny's coming back, right? Negative, Ghost. Negative. It's going to be John. Um, outside of the Duke family? Yeah, it's tough, man. Like you almost, I, I, I almost want to say go get a veteran, like, like a shrug, but with more clout. If that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, Jack, where do you land on this in terms of uh, experience? First of all, uh, do you think that it's necessary? You know, kind of, you know, to Pablo and, and AC's point that 
uh, it wouldn't hurt to have another guy with head coaching experience on that staff. John, as long as he's been at Duke, he's only actually officially been the head coach for a year. Jai's obviously not been the head coach. Carowell's only been an assistant, and now William Avery is in his first year um, being an assistant coach after being a very talented eighth grade girls uh, head coach. But outside of that, Jack, where where do you kind of see John potentially going? He's, and to be fair, he's also said he's not in a rush to fill that seat, and maybe he won't. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't hate bringing on more experience. Here's the thing, though. Duke has two openings. Duke has a recruiting assistant coach opening for Emil Jefferson and a non-recruiting coach opening because there are two of those and Avery's only filled one. So you could go after a head coach, a former head coach maybe, an experienced guy for that bench spot where you can recruit, and then you can go after a guy like a Sheldon, who I would love personally, or a McLeod, or even... Here's a name that really hasn't been thrown around much, but I wouldn't hate. Robert Bricky. The dude was he's 6'5". He played center at Duke at 6'5". He's coached in like... He's coached amateur. He's coached low-level pro. That's something that I would consider if I'm Shire, but I think for the third recruiting assistant coach, you got to go outside the brotherhood and find a former head coach. I completely agree on both things just you just said. Yeah, Pablo, what do you got? I just got a little wild card, card out there. I think I mentioned it before in our chats or whatever, but uh, I, I really like Chris Collins. I really like Chris Collins. I think that would be a, a, a very good uh, – phenomenal addition just because he's so good X's and O's and not just that he's a really good defensive coach as well and he can coach bigs you know I mean he knows how to develop bigs and it's not that you know that we don't have development of our bigs you know at Duke because obviously they're going to the NBA and they're doing well so I just think that uh guys like 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 we said you know past head coaching experience a guy like Chris Collins you know he's really really good man he's a really really good coach yeah, absolutely. Northwestern might extend him, though. You know what I mean? But that's another I mean, guy who, did. if he stayed at Duke, <laughs> yeah. he would have had that job. Yeah, yeah. And, and, well, you and know, that's true. Yeah, Pablo, I, I agree with the, the Chris Collins mention. Um, I also agree with D. Before uh, he left, he was my personal pick for yeah. the, the, the replacement after K. Um, yeah. But then he did leave, and you kind of – that's the one beautiful That's the one beautiful thing, blessing or curse, when – you do leave Duke, you can do great things, but the chances of you coming back probably aren't high because what happens is, is that next guy that is that rising star on the Duke bench, they're the ones getting all the, the the cameras on them. And so, you know, for three years, AC and I were talking about John's the next guy. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of when. Again, he, he also went at other jobs, what, Dayton and a couple other places, right? Mm-hmm. Um I'll get right back to you real quick, but here's a name that I haven't heard thrown out here, and it was uh, John's 2010 senior year. Big man, played in the NBA, can recruit, can coach Lance Thomas. That, to me, would be a home run hire uh, for not only coaching bigs, but for recruiting. He's he's available, right? I mean, he might be playing some He is some available. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that to me might be a, a guy that we, we could look at getting, but uh, Pablo, I'll give you the last word. Yeah, so I, I, I just got one more name and then just a comment. So, well, I'll do the comment first. So, we got to remember as well, just like you said, you know, John was probably going to get hired by DePaul, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if we just if we're just being real, he was probably gonna get hired by DePaul. So what yep. would that look like? You know what I mean? Had he gotten hired by DePaul, you know, would he have gotten pulled back to coach at Duke? I don't know. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like you said, your your thing was you wanted uh Collins, you know, but at the same time, Capel was on staff as well. So I mm-hmm. thought it would might have, you know, I thought Capel might have been ahead of him in the pecking yep. order. I'm not sure. But but the uh, last thing I'll say, so another name, uh, you know, he's an NBA guy, uh, great Duke big. Uh, I think he'd be a phenomenal coach, but he's probably wouldn't even entertain nothing like that because he's making NBA money. Elton Brand. Yeah. <laughs> be nice. I mean, Jack, Jack, I'm sure you A lot of people, look, a lot of people in my hometown would would drive mm-hmm. him down themselves and not even ask for gas from me. <laughs> that being said, I really like EB as a Sixers GM next to Maury. <laughs> of course you do. And, he, he's selfish bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and I also don't think there's a reason he would leave. I mean, yeah, no. he's got a lot of love for Duke. Yeah. Uh, for a minute there, there wasn't much love, but he's got a lot of love for Duke again. And yeah. I, What's Trajan doing again? He's the GM of the Pelicans. That's what I thought. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see what he got. I mean, just real quick. I love, like, I love, you know, the nostalgia aspect of some of these older guys. I mean, people have mentioned Christian Leitner before because he's coaching high school now and stuff. Just remember, one of the things that goes along with this is not like you're recruiting kids who Christian Leitner is probably 30 years before they were born. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they don't know who so he you, is. you also do still need to go with, you know, like, one of the things that was so hip about the staff, even when Kay was there, Kay couldn't really relate to the kids, but you had Shire, you had Nolan. You had all those guys who could relate, and now we're we're starting to cycle over again. You got a, a young hip head coach. You got Jay Lucas on the bench, like all these young dudes on the bench that the kids can just get behind and just you know they just relate to and everything. And and they played in an era that is somewhat similar to where they are now. I, I think you. I think that's also an aspect that needs to be needs needs to make sure that that is taken care of because I mean on Kansas bench you got. Larry Brown sitting over no Memphis. Sorry, Memphis has Larry Brown sitting on the bench, rotting away like a dinosaur. Like he he can't relate to these kids, and he already hates freshmen and rookies anyway. Like why why would you bring Larry Brown to your staff when all you do is bring in one on duns, man? That's a horrible idea, Penny Hardaway. Just wanted to point that out. Yeah, isn't Penny he, full of bad ideas though? He's Penny. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> it seems to be. Part, part what has there. he done that hasn't been a terrible decision at Memphis? <laughs> Um, this is this is now turned into the uh, bashing Penny segment. Um, let's let's move on to our happy first, birthday, our Penny. Let's <laughs> play. Um, AC, I'll keep it with you. You brought up uh, Lucas, uh, and so our next question came from uh, a, a poster name short for perfect. Oh, perfect! Uh, yeah, oh, big perf. perf. Um, how has uh, Jay Lucas's defensive mindset changed how we recruit and what type of player we recruit? I mean, obviously, you're seeing you're seeing guys that have you know have the two way ability, right? Like we're not we're not necessarily just recruiting guys who can only shoot, only you know, only play down low, whatever. Like we we are we are getting guys who buy into defense, who can pick up defense pretty quick, and so you're seeing that you, at least for a year we've seen that so far. You know, it remains to be seen as we move further into into their plan and who it is that they want to bring in and everything. But as of right now, we're getting guys that that can defend that are willing to defend and then play hard. And and nothing has changed so far in the class we have right now with Foster and Stewart and McCain and power. Those are all guys who can play defense at the collegiate level and are willing to stick around and learn defense for a couple of years at the collegiate level. So 
that, that's where I've seen, seen the change with Jay Lucas kind of and, and John versus where Kay, Kay's mindset was is just I can get guys and I can make them work like John and John and Jay. They have to make these guys kind of fit their scheme a little more. Yeah, Theon's going to go to you next because um, one of the things that Cameron Boozer has said during you know the, the different interviews that he's given is he wants a coach that will push him and a coach that you know coaches defense and makes him a better defensive player. Um, so from that standpoint, certainly that helps. But do you think that you know kind of changes in the in the type of player we're actually recruiting? No, and I think we've all had private conversations with each other about this. Um, at the end of the day, coaches are going to recruit the top 10 talent. You have to. You have to throw your name in that hat. But <clears throat> this day in college basketball, you also have to go out and get a guy who you think or know will stay with your program for two, possibly three years. Um, AC, I do agree. I, I agree with you on what you were saying. But on the flip side, I think Coach K could also – I think Coach K could also foster that defensive ability because John learned it from somewhere. Oh, he John did. learned how to play defense from somewhere. He did. Um, but Coach K was like, you know, I've got a number one recruiting class 10 years in a row. I'm going to roll the ball out and just let Bagley do what Bagley does. Wait, or let here's the, Tatum do what Tatum does. Yeah, here's the difference with K and John, though. Like, K, K was willing to put four and five one and done type talents on the floor, whereas John, you can see what he's doing. He's, he's bringing in one, maybe two one and done guys, and then he's filling the other gaps. A with guys returning, B with guys who are willing to stick around but are still talented. And so I, I think that's the difference a little bit. I, I think there is a difference with how the two the two programs, quote unquote, are recruiting. There's a very very big difference with how K's recruiting versus how John's recruiting right well, now. Well, yes and no. I mean, I, yeah, I, do, I we just I, lo- I, like we just lost Macambaco, right? Macambaco was sure fire a K coach K recruit that would have stuck around. I see what you're saying, but I also think the NIL has something to do with it. Um, I mean, some of it, but John has a plan. It's clear he has a plan. Yes. And and his plan is very different from what Coach K's plan is. I think John was sitting on that bench watching these teams go to the Elite Eight, go to the Final Mm -hmm. Four, and flounder out. And he said, we're missing one thing, veteran leadership. Sure. So that's that's what I mean. And that's what I was getting. That was my second point. I was like, I I agree and disagree with you. I think Coach K could have fostered that defensive thing. He could have, yeah. But he said, mm-mm. I'm going to roll the ball out. Let's score 95. 80 years old. He didn't care. Anymore. Yeah, he didn't give a shit. I'm going to roll the ball out. Let's score 95 and go. Yeah. yeah. But, I, now, I think... but John saw that as a disadvantage. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, so think... I, I see, I can see both such. sides. I can see he, both. he has said that. I can see both sides of the coin is what I was getting at. Yeah. Jack, the other thing I was going to say, kind of the, the way the, what they're talking about is I think that the game has changed a little bit in college basketball where it – it doesn't do you as good to go recruit four or five one and dones anymore because with the grad transfer portal and the, the people that are, you know, sticking around five, six years now, plus the NIL, people are going to stick around longer. So you can't afford to have four guys that are 18 and 19 years old playing teams that are 21, 22, 23, and sometimes 24 years old like Baylor had a couple years ago. It's just it's a it's a different ball game now. So John was kind of forced into recruiting a little bit differently while still trying to go after those top tier guys, um, and then being selective selective in the transfer portal. Um, whereas you know, and it might have also been one of the reasons, and I'm sure that it was, the changing of the college landscape was one of the reasons that 
it's not that he couldn't coach anymore, but the game had passed him by with all these changes, and he didn't have the energy as an 80-year-old guy to be able to keep doing it. So, Jack, I don't even know what the question is here for you, but kind of give me the understanding of how these conversations evolved from the original question, which was, you know, what is Lucas's uh, position on our staff change or not change the type of player we recruit based on his defensive prowess? I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know if the defensive side of it has really changed much of anything because, like all of you guys have said, Kay did this stuff too. Like, look at Jack White and Jordan Goldwire. Those guys became really good defenders in a power conference. Mm-hmm. And they were two and three star recruits. Like, mm-hmm. this is something that if you stick around, you're going to become good at playing defense, at least at the collegiate level, if you're at Duke. And uh, I mean, obviously, with Jay Lucas, that's continuing and Shire and Carowell and Emil. And, you know, all these guys learned it and are passing it on. But I think, TK, to your point, I think the biggest thing is these guys continuing to come back for extra years and extra years. Memphis's starting lineup is, on average, going to be older than me, and I have a college degree. And you're seeing that more, right? With the portal, you're seeing that more where. All these guys with guy extra COVID going, year and stuff. That guy, DeAndre Williams, is going to be an eighth-year senior. Mm-hmm. Eighth mm-hmm. year. Like, there are guys coming back for fifth, sixth, seventh years with, like, injuries and red, previous red shirts and the COVID year 2021 not counting. Like, I think that's the thing. you got to get guys who are going to stick around and get that extra added strength so that your young incoming guys can develop it themselves. Because by the time they're up and ready – there's going to be a whole new group of guys who already have that added strength going against them. It's changed the college landscape, I think, for the better. But it, this is really, if you look at it, like I don't want to bring a, another rival into the conversation, but this is the Mark Gottfried model, right? Let's go get a Juco guy who's 23 years old and who has four years of eligibility yeah. left, and let's let him run. Bigger, faster, stronger. You're naturally bigger, faster, and stronger than an 18-year-old. You've been playing collegiate basketball for three years come to raleigh as a freshman and see what's what right the, the, the old the old maryland grabbing uh steve francis uh probably what do you got uh are we still on the uh talking about giant the defense yeah you just just you know there, we, this thing went off the rails so yeah. <laughs> you know wherever you want to pick up the train by all means yeah so uh as far as uh are we changing the model of the players that we recruit, you know, based off of uh, Jai's uh, defensive focus and philosophy? I don't think so. I think we're still going to keep the same players. And the bottom line is if they, they, they want to play, they're going to have to play defense. And that's, mm-hmm. that, if they want to see the floor, they're going to have to play defense. So I think that's more of the model more than anything. They're going to recruit the talent. And the talent, you know, it's going to stay the same, you know. But they asses need to play some defense. And I think that's you know, a, great point. That's a great Jai, point is driving at home with them and we're mm-hmm. seeing a you know we're seeing we're seeing the product of that you know and the guys are coming out there and they're they're playing hard and they're playing defense and you know we're looking good so i, I expect the same thing to happen this upcoming season pablo i would say to that and i'll keep it with you here is that john clearly had a philosophy that he wanted to instill when he took over this program and it's all over the program but that was definitely a core part of it and that's probably one of the major reasons that outside of just the recruiting ability that Lucas had, 
that's probably the one A to that of why he brought him in. Because they had the same exact philosophy and mindset on the mm-hmm. defensive end. Yeah. No, for sure. I think that that definitely played a part in uh, into why uh, he brought Jai over. So, you know, it's, it's just going to bode well for us and what we want to do totally. So I'm glad that we have Jai Lucas and, yeah. and the defense is looking, you know, very good. So we're going to keep the ball rolling. And not only not only do they share kind of the same philosophy, but they're also you know, rated the number one and two recruiters in the nation at the, at the time when they were assistants. You know what I mean? So if you lost Nolan, you had to come back and replace somebody who was equally as good and, and adept as a recruiter. And that's Jai Lucas. His track record at Kentucky was proven as well. And uh, AC, before we go to the next question, the final question of the, of, of the podcast do you think that Jeff Goodman is finally going to move John Shire up a little <laughs> on the recruiting one? Or he... No, absolutely not. <laughs> he's going to write an article about how great of a recruiter he is, and then he's going to come back and say, no, he sinks. Like, that's that's Jeff Goodman, man. Troll. Premium yeah, troll. troll. Absolute troll. All right, let's get to the, uh, to the final question for us. Next play. All right, so this is a double-decker question here from my main man, Uncle Drew 2257. That's Uncle Drew 2257. Who leads the team? It was a two-part question, so we'll start with the first part. Who leads the team in scoring? We're just going to do a rapid fire here. Who leads the team in scoring? And if you want to throw out a prediction on points per game, go ahead and do it. D, go ahead. Highest scoring Duke basketball player this year. You got to go flip, right? I don't know how you don't go flip. You got a point per game for us? Points for Philip? That's mm. right. Mm. 16 to 18 with 12 rebounds. I can right. easily see him averaging a double double again, leading yeah, the team. I, yeah, I agree. Pablo, what do you got? Definitely, uh, I'm, I'm with uh, I'm with D, man. Definitely double double for sure. I say anywhere between uh, 17 to 20 points and about. Uh, 11 to 13 rebounds for sure. Flip. AC? Man, give me – I mean, it's got to be flip, right? It's got to be flip. It has to be flip, and it's got to be 19 a game. Like, Tyrese is not going to score a lot. We can't rely on the freshman to score above 15 a game this year. Jeremy and, and Flip are going to be the top two, and then you add in Mark Mitchell, a, a reinvigorated Mark Mitchell, who's going to be somewhere north of 15 points a game, I think. Flip's got to be 19 or 20 a game. Yeah, Jack, where are you? I think Jack is having some technical difficulties. Jack's having a little difficulties here, so I'll jump in and I'll say Jaden shoot at 20. No, I'm kidding. Um, I think uh, I, I do. I mean, I, I do agree with you guys. I hate to, to, to do everything the same. I do think it has to be flip, but for the sake of being different uh, and just because I do think that this guy is going to be the ACC player of the year, I, I think that flip will score about 17 to 18 a game and probably have 12 rebounds. But give me Proctor at 19 and a half and seven assists. I just think he's going to have an absolute monster year. He's going to have the ball in his hands the entire year. He's going to play 35 minutes a game. His shooting is going to take a massive leap. The amount of moves that this guy can make, he can score on all three levels. His mid-range game is phenomenal. I do expect Flip to to increase his three-point percentage, but I think we have a lot of scoring options this year. But to me, give me Proctor about 19 points a game. 
Uh, and I don't know if Jack is back. Yeah, yeah, Proctor, give yeah, me Proctor about 19. Proctor 19? Yeah. That's what he, yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. Yeah, that's I right. Yeah. I don't know. That's right. Woo! Um, and look, if I'm going to say the Proctor is going to be the ACC Player of the Year, first team All-American, over the consensus probably preseason ACC Player of the Year, which is <laughs> your boy, your guy, he almost made it an entire podcast without mentioning your guy. We won't do it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to stick with, 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 with Proctor for this. Um, and, and I don't know if Jack's coming back. We'll, we'll save it for him. But the second part of this question was, how many wins will Duke get this year? Um, D, where, where are you at? Are we including the championship banner? Yeah, I think we, have, I think we have to. Of yeah. course, 40 games, baby. Hmm. Yeah. I think if Duke wins thirty plus games, they're they're a shoe win for a championship. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you win thirty, you, you win 30 plus. That means you went the whole way, correct? If you, if you win thirty plus, you're most likely in a power conference. You're most likely in the final four for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're gonna they're, Duke will probably lose mm, five, six ACC games. Maybe it's a decent conference. UNC is going to slip up and beat them probably once. NC State's going to be really freaking good. Miami's going to be good. Virginia Tech should be good by all accounts. Virginia should be good. I, I don't think this is an easy conference. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, think, I, I think if we lose six games in conference, I'd be kind of shocked. Um, I think we're that much better than everybody else in conference. I, I do agree that I think UNC will be much better than I think a lot of the Duke fans believe that they will be. They got, you know, rid of a lot of cancers on that on that team. And it wasn't just killing but it was a lot of them. And I, I think uh, they'll be much more improved. But um, I, I, if we lose AC, if we lose six games in, in conference, I'd be kind of stunned. Yeah, I'd be a little surprised. I, this is not This is not like your typical one and done freshman team that, you know, the endurance won't be there and the mental stamina that it takes to play a Saturday big time game and then go back to back on a Monday and play again. Like this team is old enough to kind of withstand that and they've been through it. So I would say, and welcome back, Jack. I would, I would say that, man, I, I, th- I could see it more of like four losses closer to four losses in the ACC I mean, six and four. What like we're kind of splitting hairs there, but especially in a conference that should be should be improved. We'll see what happens. But this team is good enough, and and with the returners and stuff, and the uh, the the amount of talent that we return, like we returned four or five star players. Let's not forget that. This is gonna look more like one of those dominant Duke seasons where we'd only lose like two games in the season in the ACC, and and that, we damn sure ain't losing in that non conference. No sir. <laughs> we're, not, yeah. we're not losing in non-con. No, no thank you. So ACC the, the losses are going to come in the ACC, and because because of the because of the nature of the schedule. So just I'm going to say four losses total. So that put us at 36 and four. We win the whole thing and win the ACC title. Love it, Pablo. What do you got? Uh, we're going undefeated. No, I'm just playing. yay. <laughs> Let's go. No, so anywhere between. Eh. We'll, we'll we'll slip up and lose any in ACC anywhere between three to maybe five. So it's almost like spades, four and a four and a possible. Yeah, we're, we're possible. splitting hairs left and right here. Yeah. So I don't I don't see a, <laughs> a world where we lose you know more than three to four games, man. In ACC, I just don't see it happening. Um, 
And just overall, man, I think I, – I, I know we're good enough to win the chip. Will we win the chip? I believe this is this is definitely our year for sure. I agree. I, I just I just want to say one one more thing. Like it, it's the ACC is a tough conference, and I've said I say this a lot. You don't go into somebody's house and they expect to lose. So I don't think like let's just use my number of six. If you lose six games this year, I don't think it's detrimental. I don't think that means it's a failed season. I don't think that means no. they're bad, uh, and they're probably still top three in the country, sure. quite honestly. Yeah, um, I, th- I think we'll be top five in the country all year long, even if we lose six. I don't think you're wrong by that, and I agree with you that it's kind of splitting hairs a little bit by saying, you know, I think we only lose four. Because, you know, you're going to have those bad nights. And we played on the road. And uh, in Raleigh this year, if, if so, we know we'll lose that one. That's mm-hmm. a tough game, man. And Jack agrees. They, he they had Texas. <laughs> Jack agrees. He said Flip is uh, Flip is the leading scorer in 34 wins. So 34 wins is going to equal six losses Perfect. as well. So there we go. Perfect. Yeah. There okay. we go. Give me 35 and five. Give me 35 and five. I think we lose three in, in oh, no, four in conference. Four in conference. And I think we, we found a way, unfortunately, to lose one of those non-conference games. Um you know, whether it's Baylor up in Cameron North, Arizona, nah. I, Michigan State. I don't, I don't know, man. But there's maybe we don't lose any. Maybe we don't lose any. But it's a tough slate. It's a tough slate. It's not. It's not a cupcake. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to hot take city when we do this. Uh, when we do this in season. Hell. Yeah, when we when do we our do predictions the, in season, I'm going right, hot take city. Do, yeah, when we do the preseason <laughs> ones, we'll, we'll we'll find out where we really stand. But uh, AC, if uh, people want to give us a, a shout out, a question, where, where are they send them? Send us a questions. Uh, send us a questions on Twitter, Five Point Play Podcast. You know where we are. You guys already follow us. Hit us with that follow if you haven't. You can see us on the Brotherhood message board. You can see us do the Devil's Illustrated message board. You can see us on Instagram, Five Point Play Podcast. You can catch us, Coach P Kong, over on Twitter. You can catch D the Duke fan, Duke.mbb. Yeah, we're all over the place, man. We're worldwide right now. Like, dude, we are world. Why? We, we, we are trending. We are trending up, and we're just getting started. We got a lot of things coming out over the next that's couple cool. months. That's stuff. Make sure you stay tuned. Let's go, Duke. Let's go, Duke. Let's go, Duke. Go, Duke.